the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merck, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Sean Thompson Show. I am so honored and thankful to have Alex Sawyer on. She's the legal affairs reporter at the Washington Times. She started out in Texas, then D.C., and I think now Florida. Is that right, Alex? No, I'm still in D.C., although I'd like to be in Florida. I, we go there quite often. So I uh, I am from Chicago, as you know, as, as the show is in Chicago, and I go back and forth as I am a Illinoisan in exile. I could no longer take the Democrat mafia um, ruling over me and destroying the quality of my life and my real estate values. So I kind of am limping into Florida as now I go back and forth. So I celebrate the fact that I am, I'm in the real estate business there as well. And I am making sure that Florida will remain red because I am concerned that my wonderful governor will decide to run for president and win. So I need to move as many um, conservative people who are steeped in the fundamental principles of Americanism so that Florida will, will remain red. So I'm going to ask you to move there before the next election. Are you okay with that? <laughs> That's very true. I know there's a lot of people I speak to down there. My family is in the Naples area that are concerned about all the um, New Yorkers moving down and um, from strict lockdown states and that if they're welcome, to, they say they're welcome to come, but they need to remember you know, that they voted the way they did and that led them to leave. (laughs) Well, you let your parents know that's where my real estate company is in Naples, Florida. That's where I live. And I am doing all I can to make sure we never lose again and tell your father I will never rat on him when I see him at burn. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. Now I wanted to talk about a couple of your articles because I enjoy your writing very much. And your latest one is that a transgender youth sues over Arkansas ban on transitioning um, medical care. Can you explain this to me, please? Right. Yeah. So there's a lawsuit that was this week um, over the Arkansas uh, passed a law basically saying that transgender youth under 18 can't receive, uh, you know, hormone treatment or um, gender transitioning surgery. And so you have liberal advocacy groups um, filing a lawsuit on behalf of some young uh, transgender youth, one even I think is nine years old, um, and they say that their families are going to have to leave the state if this law is able to be enacted. I believe it's supposed to go into effect July 28th, so we'll have to see what the court does. Now, it's the first state that's kind of gone this far with this type of um, law banning the type of medical services. Tennessee has also um, since then banned, I think it's hormone treatment for youth. So it's definitely something to watch. And the Arkansas law goes a little bit further. Even it says that, you know, private insurance companies 
uh, no matter if it's a youth or, or any uh, transgender individual of all ages, they don't have to necessarily give them coverage to receive this, this type of treatment. Now, Alex, I never, um, I never lie to my audience. I never deceive them. So the reason that I am taping this show earlier in the day is because I have my youngest daughter is graduating high school. And um, this is particularly of interest, I think, to, to myself as a parent, but it should be to all parents because as parents, we understand what it's like and the difficulties in being a parent and the mood swings of the child we must deal with. And the notion that a society would allow nine-year-olds to make a, this type of decision, to me, is outrageous. But we are, have also taken away the power of the parent to, in essence, be a parent in many cases. So yeah, once they so gain I, this I, in, the, in the courts, they could completely overrule the parent's influence over their own children, their own nine-year-olds, in this kind of catastrophic choice. How can we stop yeah, it? So I mean, are we waiting for this decision? Going- I was going to say, um, what's interesting, too, about this is you have a Republican governor in Arkansas who actually vetoed the law, and it was passed over, the Senate overrode his veto, and one of the reasons he said that he vetoed it was because um, he thought that it was taking uh, the, the, the decision from parents and doctors. So you have people on the other side saying, you know, the, I guess, critics of the law saying the same thing, that they think it takes away the parent authority. Well... Um, or interfere with that. So it's interesting to see which way the courts will come down. Um, in my experience with this, you usually get uh, lawsuits in various states. So my expectation is we'll see some light laws like this passed in other states, like I mentioned Tennessee, that being challenged in the courts, and then possibly different rulings, which would make it you know likely to go to the Supreme Court. Kind of like what we've seen with the sports issue, right? Like um, transgender athletes competing in girls' sports. There's a number of lawsuits you know, in, in various states now. And we see the determination by the by the collectivists, by the Marxists, to even discount the opinion of Bruce Jenner, who is now Caitlyn Jenner, who has said in numerous interviews, and his opinion is, it is outrageous to think that there is not a slant or an absolute and total advantage to have boys, even though they identify as women, as Bruce Jenner now does, uh, to compete against girls. You are destroying the idea of girls' sports, but moreover, you're destroying their own self-worth, aren't you, when you have this happen and, and basically say it's, it's, it's as young as we want it to be. It is just outrageous that there isn't more of an organized pushback by the opposition, whether they be Republicans or Libertarians or whatever the case is, against what it seems to be an overthrow of women. Yeah, I think it's also interesting. Um, I saw an interview yesterday with Caitlyn Jenner on Fox News, and um, the comment was made, I think, that this was a, quote, non-issue. And she said she guesses that there could be roughly maybe 30 uh, trans athletes in the state of California. I think it would be interesting to find out how many trans athletes are there actually in the United States. Um, because I think that figure, it, it would be relevant about how many of, of those individuals we're talking about versus the number of uh, female athletes who are launching these lawsuits. I know there's four alone in one lawsuit in Connecticut challenging a um, one of the, the athletic group's policies there, allowing biological men to compete with them and saying that they're unable to, you know, compete at the same level. So it, it just, it, of course, I think this is one of those issues. We have a case pending in the Second Circuit that's on appeal, and then also the Ninth Circuit. There's the first state to um, take some sort of action in the sports context was Idaho last year. 
So that case was just argued before the Ninth Circuit earlier this month. So we should be getting a ruling there. I'm guessing, you know, if, again, there's splits in, in circuit court op- opinions, then we can see this uh, being appealed to the Supreme Court. Alex, I hate the idea that my, you know, that the that that Americanism, the principles of, of parenthood, the idea of freedom itself, boils down to these, um, really, what have become activists in robes. I am just nervous every time they have to do this. It's just nauseating to me as I get older. Yeah, it's it's um, something to for me as a lawyer and as a legal affairs reporter. Whenever I see something so political, an issue, I can almost look at the, the judge and see who appointed them and. And no way, it's unfortunate. It shouldn't and be like that. No, it's the opposite of, of the principles of, of law as the shield, and what it's become is law as the spear. And I don't know how we get it back. And, but I wanted to talk about another one of your articles that I find very interesting, because this whole insurrection, as it's being called, it's bothered me from day one that it was an insurrection based on a weaponless few um, what I think are, are are people who were just completely wrong in the idea of destroying any property. I'm never for, for that. I think violence is only used or should be used in in defense. N- I'm not. I was not an advocate of the uh, of the storming of the Capitol. Although I do understand the frustration of paying for a building in which the most corrupt are in control. I do get that. But in the uh, medical examiner's records related to Ashley Babbitt and her death, what is going on there? Oh, yeah. So that's been an issue. I think that um, anyone, no matter, well, I guess I I shouldn't say anyone with how politically divided the country is, but I would think that there should be more transparency. Uh, Americans want to know anytime we see a police shooting reported on the news, it's not long before that jurisdiction identifies the officer who, um, you know, committed the shooting. Um, and that hasn't been the case here. In fact, the Congress has been silent on the issue. Um, it looks like uh, groups are trying to, um, I believe maybe it's Judicial Watch, I would have to double check that, has tried to get access to records on, um, you know, the investigation into Ashley Babbitt's death. Her family, I spoke to um, the lawyer representing her family, and they're planning on suing this, I believe, probably later this year. Um, he wouldn't give me an exact timeline, but um, he's put the Capitol Police on notice that they're um, looking to sue over her death. So I'm wondering if in the future we will get more information out, if there's a lawsuit, discovery, that sort of thing, um, on exactly what went down, who was responsible for that. The It was identified as a homicide. So, um, you know, of course, it's, it's much different than some of these other shootings we see that happened in Minneapolis and other cities where immediately, I, I would say, the officer's name is released to the public. Ashley Babbitt was a veteran. You know, the first thing when I watched this, she's uh, about 110 pounds soaking wet. She was fitting through one of those small windows in the door, similar to the doors that we all went to school with, that little narrow window. She clearly, clearly did not have a weapon or was a threat. You'll have to forgive me. I'm from a, a, a neighborhood outside of Chicago where getting punched in the face was similar to saying hello. I never understood why she wasn't grabbed by the hair and thrown on the floor and arrested. It is it was clear murder to me. And I kept thinking to myself, if only this this poor thing, this poor veteran had been a minority, we might have got some attention on this. I think it is an atrocity. And I want to see the guy who shot her charged with murder. And I want to see her family compensated. Um, do you think the lack of interest in this? Because she was a conservative, because she was a Caucasian, do you think the lack of 
of attention to this is going to help them squash it? Or do you think that her family may receive some justice in the end? I think it's going to take, um, you know, coverage of the lawsuit and more Republican lawmakers. I think Paul Gosar was one who spoke up during a hearing um, earlier this month and asked, I think it was executive branch officials that were testifying about, you know, the different steps that happened that day. Um, and they're in Congress trying to do some oversight. And he asked, you know, who executed Ashley Babbitt. And I think that that got a lot of attention because he used the word execute. Um, but it would take more lawmakers, I think, like that to demand um, information because right now you don't really see many coming forward and wanting to put pressure on the Capitol Police to release that sort of information. Now on to your next article, because as we discussed earlier, I am in the real estate business. I have a real estate company, and I also manage several properties. I've, I've kind of moved away from Illinois, as this is the first time in 30 years I uh, vacated my license in Illinois. And this eviction moratorium, what it did to the people that own the property I manage, what it did to some investments that I have, um, it really kind of let me know that the people who pretend to be landlords, the people who pretend to own property, really own nothing. And that the government can make a decision that would even risk you going into bankruptcy. Where do we stand on this particular case? Yeah, so that's a, it's a very interesting problem because I think a lot of people look at what happened with the, the coronavirus early on last year and thought, you know, with people not working, um, there would be justification giving renters protection. What many people don't know is that's been renewed for, I think, at least four times since then, and it's still ongoing. So landlords have been trying to foot the mortgage, all of the taxes and whatnot, um, while their tenants aren't paying and they can't evict them. So it's um, it's very unfortunate because people look at this and they think, you know, normally, oh, it's a big corporation that owns these buildings. They can pay. Um, but in most cases, it's not. It's, it's you know, someone yourself or my father in real estate um, that might own a couple properties and basically a one-man real estate show, right? Yeah, um, and that's so, me. And uh, so it's trying to provide a family income for themselves too, right? So um, this has been an interesting situation where there's been different groups like that getting together. I think there's um, one lawyer I spoke to was representing a landlord in Virginia, and I think he had maybe eight properties total and saying how this has been devastating for him and that he's unable to you know, pay. He, they said they had some clients who have had to use their retirement and been foreclosed on, that sort of thing. So um, you have lawsuits right now. In the D.C. Circuit Court on this, there was a ruling in the Sixth Circuit against the government and for the landlords. However, that was um, ruling was just focused on the Sixth Circuit state, so it wasn't a nationwide ruling. And then you also have lawsuits in the Fifth Circuit and I think the Eleventh Circuit. So what I am hearing from people is they think that this issue, if it's renewed again, because I think as of right now, the eviction moratorium would expire at the end of June. Um, if they do go ahead and the Biden administration tries to renew it again, which I'm being told that could very well be a possibility because at this point they don't know how to handle the Russian evictions that's going to happen. Um, you know, that, that then you'll see more of these courts issuing rulings and it could be another appeal to the Supreme Court. And yet there will be no relief for the landlord that has been fighting it off that goes bankrupt because the courts have been using COVID as the excuse not to adjudicate the cases. 
I mean, it is truly a, a situation, in my opinion, where the government has picked its favorite citizen and it is the tenant that refuses to pay for his housing. And uh, I can't imagine and it ends well. it's a true well. problem, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, her name is Alex Sawyer. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this day where I taped early and you cutting out time of your day. I truly appreciate it. And I look forward to um, seeing you in Naples, Florida in the years to come when you help me keep that state red so it doesn't become Illinois. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thank you so much. Alex Sawyer, Washington Times legal analyst. Thank you for joining me. We'll be back after this. Welcome you back. Now, as I talked to you before, this is um, an unusual day for me, but it was important to do it. Um, it's important to to uh, for me to be at my daughter's graduation. I'm sure most of you feel the same way, and I'm sure you're going to understand this. But I wanted to get this show in because it's crucially important that we discuss and push back against what I think is the collapse of Americanism. And as I talked to um, Alex during that, that time, those tr- three articles, her last three articles, and what we talked about, kind of shows you that overview of exactly how, how big this front is of this assault on Americanism. And even so far as your ability to parent your own child, I wanted to talk about that so- story because it is more than what it appears to be as so many of these stories are. It isn't about the individual issue of somebody who is a, a transgender, I guess we're calling it. Um, it isn't about the issue of standing up for this group as much as using these people as a crowbar against parents. And the notion that a nine-year-old is somehow capable to advocate for medicine that will forever change their lives, medicine that is strictly designed to take out the natural progression of adolescence itself. Now, think back in your own life how much you've changed your opinion from being in third grade. And the fact that we have a push by government, government, which is supposed to protect the citizen itself. You're protecting the citizen from itself. And you are pandering to children who are incapable of making these decisions, it nauseates me because I was not only that child that changed drastically, thank God, through puberty, but I know what it's like to be a parent and, and, and coddle and take care of and point out how important it is for children not to be dictated by emotion of the minute, but to try to give them that perspective that your life is going to change, honey. You're going to be different tomorrow than you were today. And why would you want to stop that growth? Why would you want to limit your intellect or your options? The beauty of life, in particular in America, is that your options are never limited, or they're not supposed to be, and they're certainly not supposed to be by government. And that we would have a third party who has no attachment to that child, zero, none except to use that child as a useful idiot to, to really promote its agenda of a society that cannot defend itself against the collective government. That's what this is really about, this transgender issue. And that's why they embraced Bruce Jenner when he was useful to them. And now that he speaks truth, 
They reject him. That is why the Democrat Marxist mafia has targeted him as a sellout versus the exact representative of what they claim it is about, a transgender. Here's a guy that was not just a man's man, the greatest athlete in the country bar none. He is an expert in athletics in the very least. So much so he won the decathlon, which is unheard of. Yet when he comments on the influence of men pretending to be women and the destruction to the integrity to the sport of women, he's discounted, proving beyond the shadow of a doubt the Marxist mafia doesn't have people that it actually cares about. It has useful idiots that it will use as weapons against the opinion of the collective where this stranger from Washington, D.C., or these groups that lobby Washington, D.C., make sure that laws are no longer shields for the citizen to protect himself against the mob. They are the spears of the mob. It is disgusting, it is despicable, and it should be rejected on principle. But what has happened to this country is it has no principles, none whatsoever. It is just adopting the philosophy of Marxism which is a mobocracy. That's why they keep calling us a democracy. They want the 51% to vote away the 49%'s rights. I'm so sick of pretending this is about the issues or the people that they use as fodder. It is not. It is about ensuring the fact that you do not have rights over yourself at all, but moreover, your own children. That's why in the infrastructure bill, give us your children from the time you take them home from the hospital. It's all paid for. Don't worry. It's on us. Because what they're building is an army, a Marxist army to use against the individual. You know the individual, the one that the whole damn country is based on. That's why this is more than a story about transgender. It has nothing to do. The individual transgender is just the useful idiot or the spear, the crowbar to be used against all who would oppose the government's agenda of a government-controlled society. When you hear infrastructure, it's not about infrastructure. They could give a rip. Where is the infrastructure, by the way, needed the most? In these Democrat mafias that have stolen the money that the citizens have been paying for infrastructure. And that's why New York, New Jersey, Chicago, and California are all hellholes. So the idea that government can somehow deliver anything, it says, is irrelevant. All government can do is tax you away from your individual property and your money, assure failure and absolute totalitarian control of your life, even your children, and corrupt society itself. What government can do, the only thing it can do, is destroy liberty. It is a cancer to liberty. And it has proven itself to be so in a country founded on it. These stories that we cover are more than just the actual stories. It's the overall trajectory of our nation as we're giving it away. It's a disgrace to me. I'll be back after this. All right, I want to thank you for joining me, Sean Thompson Show. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. We say failure. You have to understand how the Marxist looks at it. That is their goal, is a failure where somehow they can manage to have a veil of virtue so it looks like they're trying to help us. And then they get to be, you know, really um, wordsmiths 
of totalitarian phrases so that it disarms us like uh, infrastructure. And then the other one that has really been used as a weapon against us is immigration reform. Now, most of the people who uh, inhabit this country feel the way I do about immigration. They have a certain respect for the fact that this country is so sought after by immigrants. I am very proud of that. And it really opened the door when I was young to understand the reason so many people had different accents that I dealt with on a daily basis, both in my family and in my grandfather's auto parts store, was because this country was somewhere that people who were unfortunate enough to be born under fascistic, socialist, Marxist countries could come to to be free, that we were that beacon of freedom. That country was an idea more than a place, and it still is. It's just been forgotten. It's just been corrupted. But this country was an idea about freedom, so I love to be a part of that. I love that I'm honored enough to be a lineage of, of somebody who sought that freedom and came here from other countries on both sides of my family. So I think it's something to always behold, and it should always stand for that, and it should always be that. So to me, when I think of immigration, what I want to fix isn't the fact that we have people that are coming here. I want to make it easier for them to come here. I really do. But I also don't want to make it a burden on the people who are already here. So when I want to do immigration reform, what that means to me is welfare reform. It's very simple. And these people, in most instances, are some of the best citizens we have. Some of the best citizens we have. I grew up in Melrose Park, and some of the best Americans I met were here from Mexico. Probably at one time, illegally, they fought hard to become citizens, but they also were not burdens on society. None of them. I'm very confident in saying that. You'll have to remember I'm old, but I'm not that old. I'm not that old that we talk about America as if it was uh, with wigs on and they were, they were uh, I have to change history to steal the future. That's not the case. I talk about America 35, 40 years ago. When people, um, those people that they use now, as useful idiots, not the, not the way it works now. See, when back then in the 70s, when they said living in the shadows, they were in the shadows. In fact, they didn't qualify for welfare. They couldn't get welfare. They weren't a burden on society. They didn't get free housing. They didn't get walking around money. They didn't get free health care. They were afraid to turn themselves in. But it was soon after Bill Clinton, and it was soon after that, that all of a sudden those rights, there was a certain benefit, a certain anonymity to being an illegal citizen that, Really, quite honestly, citizens were supposed to have. The beauty of our country is we're supposed to have a certain anonymity. Government isn't supposed to be able to know everything about you. And now, in the, under certain circumstances, it's more beneficial to be an illegal alien than it is a citizen. There are less questions. There are more benefits. So to me, if you want to fix this, you start with the problem that exists, and that's the drain on society rather than the benefit to it. And you weed out the people who would be a drain, and you embrace the people who are a benefit. And you can do that through many different options, but it would take politicians thinking about how to help society rather than how to control and imprison society. So I don't have hopes for my vision becoming the reality of America. I'm well aware of the trajectory. But every once in a while, there's a blip. There's an uptick for our side. And that's when even the people who have been buying this doddering old dimwit and diapers buying his shtick for 50 years as he's been putting his feet up getting drunk at a tavern embarrassing himself to waitresses in the vein of kennedy who was his pal 
and the rest of them as he's really been living it up, avoiding work. So now he's in the big seat. And he got in there because the circumstances, in my opinion, were so lined up that half of the Republican Party turned their eye to what was obviously fraud and skullduggery. Well, the Democrats chanted for it and cheered for it because they were justified in order to get Trump out of office. But one of these cases where he cannot change reality is the border. It is a calamity. There are thousands upon thousands of atrocities, sex crimes, drug trafficking, coyotes, human slavery. It's evident. And even Democrats At a certain point, even Democrats will be appalled by it. And there was an indication today by ABC News, which should be ashamed of itself, and Martha Raddatz, or as I call her, the crypt keeper, as even she had to admit, Biden owns this now. There's some gangsterism, corruption. The pressure is tremendous. And to do that 180 without really any preparation he owns this now he owns it and and, laura he really does and and should they have been more aware i mean they really seem tone deaf to the politics of this as well you heard myrka's trying to do cleanup i think they're trying to send this strong message but is it too late well, that's why you see, Martha, so many of the administration officials, including Mayorkas, as well as Roberta Jacobson, the southern border coordinator for the White House, they're starting to change their tune. They're starting to say, we're not just saying don't come. We're saying don't come like this ever and come in the legal fashion. But again, uh, there are so many, there's such a big influx. And I was just talking to local advocates here in El Paso yesterday, and they were saying that they feel as though beyond the rollback of the Remain in Mexico, which they felt as though uh, went well, according to the advocates and activists. Beyond that, they feel as though the White House doesn't have a plan in terms of how to address not just the children, but also the adults and the families that are coming over here. I say they're wrong. The White House does have a plan for the children, for the families, for the people that are coming over here. And for what that plan is, is to build up their base. What that plan is, is to corrupt those people. And... A large portion of that is of no fault to the people. It is the fault of the system in America. How could you not want to come here? Free health care, free food, free rent, free sustenance, and a little walking around money when things get real bad. How could you not desire that? How is that not luring them here? So to be mad and or pretend that I am mad at those people, you are dead wrong. I'm not mad at those people. I completely understand that. I can put myself in their shoes instantly. Because I struggled at a time in my life. I watched the people I love struggle. There's nothing you won't do for that. So you take the chance. You take your life in your hands. And you, you, you run across. You do what you have to do. You cross rivers. I get it. The travesty isn't that. And the fault of it isn't those people. The travesty is a system that rewards those actions by criminals. And I don't mean the people. I mean the slave traders that are becoming multi-multi-millionaires and are in high demand and yet the righteous America could give a rip and just like the IMF bank what do they do? They fund it. They fund it. And what they're talking to when they talk about Mayorkas this buffoon. A Cuban ironically a Cuban who should know exactly better than what's happening. He should be strengthening the idea 
that citizenship can be achieved and can be righteous and the people can thrive in the same vein of his family. And so many of the Cuban people who, by the way, are mostly Republican. See, that's what they can't they can't risk. That's why they can't have a system built on the principles of Americanism. And they need a system built on the principles of welfare and loyalty to the government that would give you that sustenance. And that's what they're trying to middle. This is not a failure what you see. This is the goal what you see. And you can always tell because Mayorkas was brought before the Senate yesterday. Do you believe that your department at any time should be able to actually identify an illegal immigrant in this country who the department has processed and released into this country? I'm not, I'm not sure I understand uh, your question. Um, um, Congresswoman, Do you think that once they're in the country... And- now, can I just say something? This, I don't understand your question. What she is saying is, should we know who the people are? Should they be given be forced to give information? Should that, that information be verified? So we don't have 11 million people with the same name running around, wreaking havoc with no consequences. Should, we, should that happen, Mayorkas, you idiot? We've had, we've issued, we've gone through this process that we should be able to know where they are. We should be able to track them um, if, if they're in this country illegally. To know and track more than 11 million undocumented individuals. By the way, I said 11 million because that's what they've been saying for 25 years. They have no idea. Otherwise, the premise of their whole point would have no idea. What do you mean undocumented? If they're undocumented, how you ball? What are you ballparking it, Mayorkas? And the rest of the government? The answer is yes. It's been 11 million since the 80s. Probably 38, and even then you'd be short. I'm Sean Thompson. We'll be back. Welcome back, Sean Thompson Show. Thank you so much for joining me. And one of the things that we talk about on a consistent basis is that we view things as a failure. That is their goal. In the United States? We have no idea, Mr. Secretary, and this was a direct uh, response to one of our earlier questions, how many are specifically in Iowa. Once they come across that border and they're out of CBP custody, we've been informed there is no way to track these individuals um, unless they actually show up for that NTA hearing, which uh, we know sometimes they do not. So do you believe that we should be able to? And we now know from various reports, as we've talked about yesterday, they even have flight plans where they're taking illegal aliens without verification and they're flying them to Florida. They're flying them to New York. They're flying them to North Carolina. Now, I fly a lot. I can't get on a plane without my my boarding pass and my ID. Boy, oh boy, the benefits to being here illegally. Complete anonymity. Not a lot of questions asked, not even when it comes to COVID. There's virtually zero. Zero regulations, zero encumbrances on those citizens or those illegal citizens, citizens of other countries. Man, the freedom in being an illegal alien. Can you imagine? Not to mention, how does the IRS get a hold of you? Um, I'm not sure I uh, agree with the premise uh, of your question, Congresswoman. When uh, an individual is placed into immigration proceedings, um, they uh, they are placed into immigration proceedings through a notice to appear. Listen, I mean, it's, it, I'll tell you, what a fantasy, what a delusion. Between the fact that the COVID came from a bat in a wet market to here, we're going to give you this notice, show up at court. I, they're total idiots. Total idiots. This isn't gullible. This is way beyond gullible. This is sling blade level stupidity. And I don't mean the part where he said it ain't got no gas in it. That was the smart thing. Uh, when they are properly informed 
uh, of uh, the hearing date, time, and location. They have a, appropriate information. Can you imagine being an illegal alien? Can you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, 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 what's the penalty? All right. We're going to give you this piece of paper. It's got the date. It's got where you're supposed to be, and then the time, and uh, you show up. Uh, uh, all right. And what happens if I don't show up? Uh, we're going to give you another one. Oh, okay. Nation. Uh, they have an uh, assistance of counsel. Uh, the appearance rate is extraordinarily high. Well, what is it? Uh, I am not aware of the fact that um, we have the tools. Wait a minute, Slick. Wait a minute. The appearance rate is extremely high. Well, what is it? Is it 80? Is it? Let's ask the evil Google. Let's ask it right now, right during the show. What's the appearance rate of illegal aliens showing up to their court? All right, let's look. Huh. One in nine? That's not high. Wait a minute, that's the Washington Post. Well, that must be right. Washington Post, not the Washington Times. Huh. That's what we call extremely high in the government. Can you imagine if they said that taxpayers actually paying the tax owed is extremely high? It's one in nine. How do you think that would float? Resources and capabilities to track with the more than 11 million unlawfully present individuals in the United States, which speaks to the fundamental broken system. And you broke it, stupid. You and your party and politicians like you. You're the ones that took a system, the ones in which the majority of Americans are here from. That system that worked, that you had to swear. You did not, you were not going to be a burden on society. And you had to prove that you had a job or you had to prove that another citizen would be responsible for you until you had one. That's the system that worked. You're the ones that implemented this new system with here's a piece of paper with a time and an address. Show up. Oh, okay. And you've been saying 11 million for 30 years, idiot. And we're turning to these fools to even manage it, let alone fix it. I'm telling you right now. This is, this is the plan. This isn't an accident. This isn't even an excuse. This is a celebration that we're seeing. The need for immigration reform. And I'm so speaking to your secretary uh, specifically uh, to the people who have been through CBP and processed and then released into the homeland, not the ones who made it across the border and are in this country illegally that we uh, maybe didn't go through that process. Yeah, we can't. I mean, she means the ones that we didn't catch. What's that figure? What's that number? And is it going to be harder for them? To get the welfare that's destroying the country? And by the way, when I say welfare reform, I don't just mean for illegal aliens or new citizens. I mean for everybody. Fix it for everybody instead of making it easier so you can get your unemployment numbers down. And that's the real skinny. So when they say, ooh, unemployment claims are low. Why? Why are they low? How many people do we already have on the damn thing? How many people just are off the system? How many people are you lying about? One thing's for sure in every one of these little themes here. Lying. That's what they're good at, and that's what they do. I'll be back after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other. He's Sean Thompson, and this is The Sean Thompson Show. This looks like on top of me, so everybody just follow me, because we need a little controversy, because it feels so empty. 
Sean Thompson Show. As you know, if you listen to me, even though at one time I had great respect for, for media, when it comes to mainstream media over these last 30 years, I have lost that respect. So I have turned to alternative media. However, in the 70s and 80s, there really wasn't much of it. But thank God for the Internet, and thank God for HotAir.com. And one of my favorites is Ed Morrissey. Ed, how are you? I am doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Well, thank you for coming on. And I uh, told my audience, listen, I have a good reason for taping the show. I've got my youngest graduating high school, and everybody understands. It's a private school. I'm more celebrating the fact I don't have to pay that tuition and now on to bigger college tuition. So it's, for, it's a little bit for me today. Well, congratulations to you. That's a, that's a, a great accomplishment for the parents. Yes, and uh, so you are, you are to be congratulated, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for helping me um, with the show. As you know, I love hotair.com and I particularly am fond of you. And when it comes to reporting, I think you've done a fantastic job. And when it comes to this COVID, I'm relying on people like you because I have not believed that it came from a bat. You'll have to forgive me. I've watched a lot of TV, and I could recognize a very bad script. I've always believed this was a lab leak, and I believe that the intention goes to the people who normally are benefited from the outcome. I think China has benefited greatly from COVID-19. I want the Senate. I want the congressional hearings. I want people to investigate it. It looks like this is catching steam by even politicians, or politicians are even catching wind of it. Am I right? You're right. I mean, and really, this this just accelerated over the last couple of days, Sean, because you know, two or three days ago, uh, the media was treating this as a conspiracy theory. They were treating you know Tom Cotton as a nutter. He was one of the ones that early on said this looks like uh, it could have come out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And there have been scientists who have been saying, "Hey, look, you can't dismiss this." Uh, there was a lengthy um, article, and I, I, it was in a, it was either a New York magazine or New Yorker, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but it was about a reporter who had followed, you know, laboratory accidents in virology for the last twenty years, and this reporter kept saying, "You can't rule this out because this happens all the time." SARS got out of, <laughs> yeah. got into the wild because of a lab leak. That's how it got out. I think there was three or four lab leaks with SARS. And the only reason it didn't catch fire is because it wasn't as contagious. And uh, in this, in, and so there have been voices all along saying this is not a conspiracy theory. This is an active uh, possibility. Uh, Josh Rogan at the Washington Post was doing some reporting on this, saying, you know, th- this is a uh, this is a laboratory that was known to have uh, security and safety issues, and, and and so this is a real possibility, and yet. The media was was treating it as a as a nutcase uh, theory. Uh, you had Facebook that was blocking content when people would raise these questions. They just changed that policy last night. Uh, I mean, it is insane how many people who supposedly want to follow the science uh, instead decided that they were going to adopt a belief system on this. Now, I think there's another component here. Americans are spoiled and ignorant and entitled. The reality that they think from this point forward, they are going to get the truth from a communist regime. You know, Ed, I remember um, when I went, I went to Cuba and my best friend in life is Cuban. His family uh, didn't immigrate. They were, they killed the rest of their family and they were sent here luckily on rowboats. So I kind of understand. I went back to Cuba in 2003 and my friend's father was mad at me. I said, what are you mad at? You know, this guy loves me like a son. What could you be mad at? And he said, you don't understand. You're benefiting the worst people in the face of the earth. And when I went there 
And when I saw what communism was and the fear in which the people, they're not citizens, they're prisoners. It's a prison island. The reality is there are no laws. And if you go against the government, they kill you. End of story. And in some cases, they do things worse to you, like stick you in solitary confinement until you're a skeleton. How are we going to get the truth from a government that rules over its people like this? The Chinese government is not this benign, happy-to-help-you kind of people. They are iron-fisted communists, in which cases you're not going to get people that work for them or even citizens that are under their, their, their iron fist to investigate them. So how can we possibly ever investigate a communist government? Well, I think putting the intelligence community on it tells you that even the Biden administration understands that you can't get there by by going to the scientists anymore, that China has basically uh, blocked all access to this data. And the only way you're going to get there is by um, covert action. The only way you're going to be able to find this information out is by covert action. Cold War and, Part and Two. And I suspect, I'm sorry, Sean? Cold War Part Two. Well, it's and it's been that way, right? I mean, uh, that, that's not news. We we know that that's been the, been the case here with with China for quite some time. That's with the whole you know China made twenty twenty five effort is. It's what the Road and Belt Initiative is. Uh, it's a way for China to uh, start flexing both soft and hard power around the world to compete against the United States militarily, economically, politically, uh, and strategically. So this the reason why they. If this was an accident at at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, they don't want it getting out because they don't want it to um, impede their progress and impede their influence. Um, And if it does get out and we're able to determine that, then they're all of a sudden their their diplomatic and um, economic strength is going to be sapped. And they know it. And that's the reason why they've been trying to uh, push people to call this a racist theory. I mean, you had a reporter from the New York Times I think it was either yesterday, the day before yesterday, says, well, you know, eventually it's going to come out just uh, how much based in racism this oh, this God. idea is. And she ended up yeah. deleting it because all of a sudden everybody's talking about the, the lab leak theory. It's not racist at all. And that's one of the reasons why we kept identifying it as the Wuhan virus, because that's where it emerged. And there's a virology yeah. laboratory there. The coincidence is, is rather stunning. And the connections to the American government is also stunning. I am just shocked the more we find out. How, how our system of grants and how our funding works. And I am hoping that this leads to prosecution because I am just in awe that our government can give money to third parties and they're pretty much not regulated. And then everyone is held harmless when it comes back that, oh, by the way, we were sending American tax dollars <laughs> to work on this. We funded our own destruction. Scientific. I mean, you can make a scientific argument that if you're doing that, you can do gain of function research in order to prepare yourself and to and have vaccines ready in case these things make a jump. The problem is, is that doing it in, in countries that don't have, you know, strict safety protocols or follow the strict safety protocols is asking for is is asking for a catastrophe like this. And it shouldn't be being done in China, where the government is not transparent and the government does not um, provide accountability. Uh, it, it should it should never be done there. And if you're going to do something like that, do it someplace where you where you have actual transparency and accountability. Yeah, and they'd be excited to get a chemical weapon they could use against I don't know America. But I want to talk about another article you have today because I also have been disgusted and fascinated with the fact that old lady Mitch McConnell has still remained in leadership. I can't figure this out. But when they they propose a a so called um, 
fight against a $2 trillion bill with a $1 trillion bill, I kind of start to understand exactly why all those buildings are named Mitch McConnell in Kentucky when I drive through it. Um, how does this look that the uh, GOP, they were not they were really interested in getting a tremendous amount of money out as well, even after when Trump was in office, we passed a 1.9 that turned into 2.2, and then we've had another 1.9 on top of it. The reality is, do we have any fiscal conservatives at all in elected positions as Republicans? Well, I mean, part of that was predicated on the fact that Donald Trump pushed for the big spending uh, bill, and then after after the the Senate Republicans tried to limit that that I don't know what the third, fourth, fifth. You know, I'm, I'm tired bill, myself, and I, I pay attention count. to it. Yeah, I can't I can't keep track either. <laughs> they have no idea. They, they really should come with numbers rather than names because yeah. you know this is like you know helicopter money one, helicopter money two, helicopter money three. Yeah. I think it's helicopter money two is what I'm is what we're talking about. After the Senate Republicans managed to limit it. Donald Trump jumped in and said, no, we should, we should be spending a lot more, which sort of led to Democrats pushing the Helicopter Money 3 bill. Uh, no, there isn't a party that's interested in fiscal um, fiscal sanity and fiscal responsibility. Neither party is interested in it. One party is worse than the other, but it's then it's just a matter of, you know, <laughs> it's a matter of amplitude, not not a matter of, uh, of principle. And, and and still, even when you propo- when they propose these massive spending bills in order to be bipartisan and negotiating and all of that fun stuff, uh, they propose a nine hundred twenty eight billion dollar infrastructure bill, and the New York Times calls it narrow. Nine hundred twenty eight <laughs> billion dollars is a narrow bill, Sean. Ed, we're old. We're old. Do you remember when the government thought that eighty? 80- $80 billion was enough to start a conservative movement and actually had a guy by the name of Barry Goldwater come out and say, we're fighting against it. I mean, it is so preposterous to me, and that leads me to my next question. Because the Republicans sat idly by and in some cases supported what I think was the one mistake or, or, or the one or two mistakes of, of the uh, Trump administration was to just throw money at problems. Do we, in essence, have any credibility now? when it comes to, hey, take it easy, or should we just admit we like just a little bit corporatism, we don't want to turn it all over to Marxists? Well, I think the problem is, is that people see corporatism as the only alternative to Marxism. I think that, I think that there, is a, there, is a, uh, there is a spectrum here, and I think that conservatives have been very, very late to the idea that maybe antitrust um, uh, rules and regulations are a, a good way to keep anybody from being so big that they end up uh, distorting the politics and, and infringing on the freedoms of Americans. And, you know, there were warnings of this all along. You know, we started with this with the 1980s, the mergers and acquisitions uh, craze that happened in the 80s and the 90s, and all the uh, market consolidation. And what happens, Sean, is that all of, the, all of that... Um, Economic power being consolidated into fewer and fewer hands means political power being consolidated into fewer and fewer hands. And I think we've learned um, too late that you can't have, I wouldn't even say big business, I would say, um, you know, gigantic business and small government at the same time, because gigantic business will distort distort government uh, with rent-seeking uh, regulations in order to keep them in, in power. And those rent-seeking regulations are going to uh, eventually infringe on uh, on freedom. It's going to infringe on uh, startups, on entrepreneurship. Yeah, they have a market cornered, yeah. and it's that hybrid socialism that so many of these rent-seeking 
phony capitalists long for because they are forever in that position. And, you know, when you look at Bezos just become our version of Putin, I mean, you, you have to almost say, well, gee, now I understand why he gets it. Yeah. Um, now yeah. your next article. I never saw a guy. What did you release, three articles today? Did you do three or four today? Oh, I usually do six or seven a day. I mean, uh, and so does fancy. Paul Pundit, Jazz, and, and John does five usually. So we're, 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 we, we all have, uh, we're all obsessives. You know, we're all obsessive yeah. compulsives so on now, now I'm hoping as I read this next one that you were just tired when you came up with this headline. Biden, hey, let's check up annual spending 20%. I mean, come on. It's a joke, isn't it? Uh, no. Unfortunately, it's not. You know, the and I was actually a little stunned. I, I consider myself to be well informed on these matters, and I didn't realize that the last fiscal budget was four point eight trillion dollars. He wants to take it past six trillion, so that's that's a you that's know aside about from a twenty percent increase. And that's aside from all of this nonsense, because the reality is it's two, but it's two since the, the beginning of the year. We're really on our. This was six actual spending bills since COVID shutdown and the continuing resolutions. And when you throw this all in, I mean, is it any wonder that uh, a Bitcoin is 40,000 or that there's inflation? It's almost shocking that it's not even more. It's going to be more, you know, inflation is with this level of government spending, with this level of helicopter money being printed out, uh, inflation, inflation is going to rise and it's going to rise quickly. And, and we're already seeing price inflation. The more that we start increasing corporate taxes, because we're hearing a lot about that, uh, those ta- those prices get passed right along to consumers. Energy prices are going up, which is a force multiplier through distribution channels, which means that prices are going to go up even further. So we're going to see more and more inflation, and it's going to start to erode savings. It's going to start to erode fixed incomes. And, um, I mean, I don't think we're on the verge of returning to uh, the 1970s yet, but that's the trajectory that we're going to be on unless we start exercising some fiscal discipline and the Fed starts hiking interest rates, which is going to That'll be you know, cool off the economy. Yeah, so, I mean, this is... So before I let you go in the future, are you going to shoot more for that book of Eli Future or the Mad Max? And are you going to be in my clan or are we going to be enemies? How does that work? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. It's uh, maybe maybe the Mad Max, and but I think we're going to be in the same clan, John. I, I don't know how we can avoid that. We're going to be in the same clan. Ed Morrissey, HotAir.com, and you also have a <laughs> podcast, don't you, Ed? I do. Uh, and it's, uh, it's on Tuesdays and Thursdays at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, the Ed Morrissey Show, right at Hot Air. Well, I love the fact you took time out to join me. Thank you so much, Ed. Thanks, John. Always great to talk with you. All right. You're one of my favorites since I was filling in. We'll be back after this. Thank you so much. I wanna be Welcome back to the Sean Thompson Show. Thank you so much for joining me. As you know, the reason that I focus so hard on this is because when politics, when politicians corrupt, when they fail, when they misappropriate, it guarantees taxation on the future. The reason I fight so hard against these corrupt, low-life politicians is because they're destroying our freedom, our liberty, but moreover for our children. That's what's most important, is the future. One thing is for sure, as you destroy the future, you guarantee servitude. You guarantee that our future great-grandkids will be slaves to a government. Over the last 30 years, the amount of freedom we have had stolen from us, some we've given away, but we've had it stolen from us. How? How have we had it stolen from us? Because we were too lazy 
to pay attention, too distracted to focus on exactly what these sexually frustrated nerds we call politicians have been doing to us in Washington, D.C. How many people understand the way in which they have sabotaged the economy and our future? Well, we have been busy with our lives paying the already onerous confiscatory taxes these jobless frauds have have really laid around our necks like a yoke of tyranny because that's just the reality of it we're so focused on our little lives and it i get it me too how many people knew the corruption that just lies in something as benign as the international monetary fund we even know what the hell goes on there madam president the international monetary fund issues special drawing rights and a, a special drawing right is like it's like a crypto coin it's not worth anything it's only worth something if you exchange it for real money and the Biden administration decided to encourage IMF to issue all these crypto coins and guess what they're all doing they're bringing the crypto coins to the United States of America and saying we want dollars give me that is outrageous because the way in which this system operates and what it does with its money is riddled in scandal. The IMF fund is riddled in scandal. It is the most corrupt European oligarchs in the world that have cashed in on our intentions to help the world. This is always sold as some altruistic vision where if we just finance everything, it'll be great. There'll be no more starving children. You know, the ones that they don't mind if the mother kills. There'll be no more poverty. You know, the ones that they create in these Democrat hubs like Chicago, like New York, New Jersey, and everywhere else they destroy the finances. In the meantime, what we've done is pretend that this organization is anything but criminal gangster banking and that's what imf really stands for but now they're just open and notorious blatantly using our intentions against us to cash out dollars for the crypto coin but we don't have any dollars in our checking account so we have to go borrow the money now what he's saying is flippant and a jab but fundamentally and foundationally he's a hundred percent correct the reason i say we are broke america is bankrupt and i know that that is against everything they tell you right they want you to wave the flag and then they blindfold you with it if we were not bankrupt would we have 30 trillion dollars in debt they admit to yet they don't admit to the cost of their programs it's called unfunded liability and the last time i looked it up it was 240 trillion which is more money than in the world and that's if you cash in rubles and yuan and whatever the hell else they're calling their currency. Even if you stole the Bitcoin. We're broke. You know who did it to us? Politicians. And in the meantime, they have the audacity to fund these European crime organizations, these syndicates, like the IMF Bank. There's no free lunch, and you don't get one now. All my bill would do would say, we're not going to issue special drawing rights to perpetrators of genocide or state sponsors of terrorism. In other words, no China, no free money to China, no free money to Syria, and no free money to Iran. It is ludicrous for us to be borrowing money to give dollars to exchange for, for crypto coins to China or Syria or Iran. Now, anybody want to guess how it was received, that bill? Anybody want to guess how it was received? Well, you don't have to guess too much. We've got little Dick Durbin, our very own. 
and how proud we should be, not just because he has butter hands, never worked a day in his life, or that his wife is a lobbyist and so is his favorite little nephew or cousin or whatever the hell he's calling that charlatan, but the fact that this is what Chicago produces. This is what Illinois produces. There is one fundamental flaw in what you have just heard from Senator Kennedy, and let me read it to you. The United States retains the right to refuse to purchase special drawing rights from any country. It's voluntary. It's up to us to do it. And we don't purchase them from a lot of countries because of that. And let me tell you further, all we can do is stop the special drawing rights, which are providing hard currency to countries to buy vaccines. Why do we care whether some country far away had a vaccine? Well, how far away was Wuhan, China? We've got to be in this together to try to put an end to this pandemic crisis. Please vote against the Kennedy Amendment. And they voted against it. And Wuhan, China wasn't far enough away for Dick Durbin and his merry band of Marxist mafia to fund the study of the virus that shut down the world, in my opinion. And history will prove me right, as little Dick Durbin has proven me right every time he opens that cream puff eating pie hole of his. That's all he does. The jobless never had a job, and yet what has happened to Illinois and his district and whatever he represents since he was elected to office? The debt grows, the power of the government grows, and the quality of the citizen's life shrinks. That's what the policies of Little Dick Durbin and the Marxist Mafia bring you. And that's why he demanded and got his way, and they voted against a bill that was really quite simple. If you are from a country that is communist in nature, has 2.5 million people in camps that it admits to, has killed millions that it doesn't care about, you're not going to be able to cash out on us. Because you know who's cashing out on us? China. Very country that brought us the, the virus. It is an atrocity. It is nauseating. It is sickening. And it is business as usual in Washington, D.C. As they get dressed up in their little off-the-rack costumes before they go hit on their secretaries in a tavern and pretend to be politicians rather than what they really are, the most successful gangsters on the planet. But it's a society that doesn't care when the wife of a senator for 35 years is a lobbyist. Don't care. They don't want to trace the money where it goes, and it's very similar to what happens when they don't want to trace the money to their kids. It all the stories are connected. You think they're different, but they're not. There are different rules for the Marxist mafia and the oligarchs than there are for the other citizens. You know, the ones that underwrite it. It's simply different rules. We'll discuss that and more when I get back. All right, this is Sean Thompson. Thank you so much for joining me. There's so many stories I want to get to, but I cannot get over the one story that should be at the forefront of CNN versus the Trump. Will he be indicted or not? We all know the answer to that. We all know they're going to misuse their power. They're going to misuse the position that they're in, and they are going to get their man because they have to send a message. Should you fight back against this corrupt system, you will pay the cost. And if we don't get you when you're in the office, we'll get you and seek you in perpetuity. And yet they avoid the one that lies right in front of them. I played this a little bit yesterday. I didn't go into it the way I wanted to. So we're going to do it today because I think it is crucially relevant. And if this is not, if this ball isn't picked up and ran with by the Republicans that are in the position of power to actually do something about it, then nothing ever will be done. So if this isn't, if something isn't done about this scandal and if this is successfully squashed, it's going to be a long three and a half years for us. 
Okay, you're watching the Fox Business Network. We're coming into the bottom of the hour. Let's welcome back to the show former federal prosecutor Brett Tolman. Okay, now we have Representative Devin Nunes. By the way, it's great to see you again, Brett. I never got the hang of that. So we've got Devin Nunes. It's good to see you. Devin Nunes is a ranking Republican on House Intelligence. He blasted the media for, quote, utter corruption and not reporting on Hunter Biden's multiple hundreds of mysterious trips through Joint Base Andrews to make millions of dollars overseas in these business dealings with Russia and China that we really don't know the full extent of it. So what's going on with the media here? Yeah, you know, it dawns on me. Think about what would have happened if the media really dug into this issue. If we had, if we had a, a, a media that was interested in investigating and holding individuals uh, accountable, I could see, I could envision that the IRS starts to ask questions about what, were these personal or business trips uh, that were benefiting him personally? Because when you use Air Force One or Air Force Two, which I've been on, they have to have a dis, you know a distinct government purpose. And there has to be it has to be documented. I'd like to know all those details and I'd like to know why the IRS isn't looking into who should be paying the bill for that tax benefit. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because there is a Justice Department probe into Hunter Biden over potential involving alleged tax evasion. We don't know who it involves. But if you if you get private benefit off of government assets, then you have to report your, that as income on your tax returns. You know, top Republican Senator Joni Ernst now demanding answers. We, had author, we have author Alex Marlowe of Breitbart News in his new book showing heavy use of Joint Andrews Air Force Base. We have reported on 411 trips multiple countries. We're looking at 29 foreign countries, 23 trips through Joint Base Andrews. That's home of Air Force One and Air Force Two. So this is when the, he, Joe Biden was vice president, 2009-2014. So where was the wall between Biden and his son here? Yeah, I mean, the wall is, is important. We were told that they were following protocols, doing things the right way. Now, do you know why I always say the Marxist mafia? Not just because they're Marxists, but because they run like a mafia. Why are Democrats, there's not one prominent Democrat that has a problem with this? There's not one. Now, I understand we have Democrats like little Dick Durbin whose wife is a lobbyist. I understand we have Democrats who have been so interwoven with corruption, lobbyists, and politics that they become the uh, head of the Senate, like Chuck Schumer, another well-known Democrat riddled in scandal. I understand that the Speaker of the House has a husband who has amassed hundreds of millions of dollars from profiting from her position and that insider trading and sweetheart deals given to the husband is no big deal. But you mean to tell me there's not one of these Democrats, these new Democrats in Congress, not one that has a problem with this? See, because this is an entity. This is an entity that is not not used to do its so-called job. And when I say entity, I mean specifically the IRS. The IRS has doubled its 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 agents. Will have openly doubled its audits. And you mean to tell me this one sitting right here shouldn't be audit zero zero one because it certainly should be we certainly know that's not the case we've seen it over and over now liz what what really bothers me though is we're just a few months from hearing about you know the russia investigation russia collusion and all kinds of other allegations and yet here this is this was going on and we don't have the media digging into it we don't seem to have anyone in congress that's that's worried about it we're we're um 
resources utilized? And if so, was it inappropriate? Is there a pattern? Were resources utilized? You took 411 trips. I mean, I don't, I listen, I fly on the cheap. Let me tell you something. When I get out of here and I go south, the cheapest one, that's the way I go. I don't care if he was flying spirit. 411 trips would be something to investigate. Call me silly, let alone Air Force Two. And not one Democrat, not one congressman, Democrat congressman, not one Democrat senator thinks there's a problem with this. Maybe it explains why the bulk of us feel that this was an orchestrated cover-up because this information existed in 2015, let alone the election year. Yet it was talked about on conservative talk radio. It was talked about on very conservative news outlets that were easily discounted as, as the opinion against the Marxist mafia always is. But the fact is the fact. And now you've successfully usurped the most powerful office in the country, even though I have revoked my consent to be governed, and I have identified the voting system as corrupted and a swindle. But you mean to tell me that there's not one elected Democrat that is interested in this? Because if there's a pattern of abuse like that, typically that is a large-scale criminal investigation where an individual will be targeted for that abuse, will have to pay the government back, and will be facing felony charges. And will flip on cohorts. That's the other reason there's not a pushback for this. Do you think he did this by himself? Or do you think there were other prominent Democrats who benefited from these corrupt relationships in which they had to send this crackhead on 411 trips for? What do you think? Because the reality is Hunter Biden isn't an economic renaissance man. Hunter Biden is another just Biden, which means he's stupid by genetics. He does nothing he's qualified for except maybe a steep discount on an eight ball. That's all Hunter Biden is good for. And But what they know is they must protect eight ball Biden. Because if they don't, he'll do what all mobsters do, what all drug addicts do. He'll flip on the rest of the mob. Can you imagine if Eric Trump or Donald Trump was doing this? Donald no, Trump Jr.? No, I can't. We know we hear about the business dealings of the Trump family while he was president, but this is specifically using Air Force Two to go on these mysterious trips where he got three and a half million dollars from the uh, wife of the former mayor of Moscow doing deals with Kazakhstan, Ukraine, China. I mean, it's just insanity. They even, you know, Moscow, at least, listen, they're the ones, they're the original Marxists. They're the original ones that understand, look, you're going to have to use your wife. You're going to have to use your nitwit drug addict son. And what we're going to do is we're going to put them together. And that's where the money's going to switch hands. That's where everything's going to happen. So you have the schematic of exactly how it works. You know that this idiot has no excuse, no reason. There's no possible reason for him to take 411 trips on Air Force Two. None. There are spoiled trust fund babies who are drug addicts, whose parents are billionaires, They don't take 411 trips to anywhere, not even to the other homes that they own. This is strictly for absolute and total corruption, and we're not talking about stealing millions. They're stealing billions, eyeballing trillions. You know, so this is leveraging the Biden family name for power and for money. Your final word. 
The First Amendment is very important, and our forefathers knew that, that a strong, neutral media could hold government action and abuse accountable to the people. Okay. If they're not willing to do that, then we lose a very powerful tool to root out corruption. Wait a minute, you don't have that? They just got on CNN right now, still forever since he left office, the indictment, the pending indictment for, for Trump. I'm not even kidding you. They got it on right now. This is how you get away with it. I mean, really, as somebody from a neighborhood who was touted to have, you know, organized crime figures. And yet, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The greatest organized crime neighborhood isn't in New York. It's not in Manhattan or New Jersey. It's not in Illinois. It's not in Melrose Park or Elmwood Park or any little Italy out there. The greatest mobster neighborhood is the one that they want to make a new state. It's called Washington, D.C. And those mobsters get pensions on top of it. They get public funded security. And when they feel threatened, they even increase it at the darker night in a midnight budget. It's an outrage. It is outrageous. It is disgraceful. And there's no reason for them to stop. After all, what's the penalty? You get to become the president. And you don't even have to know what that word means anymore. Or be able to go to the bathroom without your pants being on. It's ridiculous to me. It's disgraceful, and everybody should be ashamed, regardless of party. I'll be back after this. Welcome back, John Thompson Show. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I was uh, perusing some clips today, and I remember that there, uh, there was a story I wanted to get to yesterday that I didn't get to, but it plays into the fact that the so-called conspiracy, as it was discounted, when Tom Cotton, when Trump, when other radio hosts, in particular the, the late Rush Limbaugh, brought up the idea that this COVID had been developed in a lab. At the time, that's the way it looked to me as well. I'd never bought the idea of a bat. It is absolutely preposterous that somebody that was eating something at a wet lab, this is not like, a, like an audition to sell a script to Netflix, because that's the way they posed the 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 covid-19 shutdown the control the whole thing was like a b movie and it only is fitting that the actors we call politicians are normally too ugly to make it as, a, as in the a screen that this would be in fact a b screen movie that's how it always felt to me but this is now picking up steam in even the mainstream media Tonight, new reports about previously undisclosed U.S. intelligence are adding ammunition to the theory that the coronavirus may have escaped from a laboratory in China, not from a market that sells live animals. Now, to the Marxist, this disease coming from a market in China made more sense than a sworn enemy to America. I know we do a lot of business, and believe me, it didn't turn out the way it was sold. The whole reason that we even did business with China was because we were under the impression, and I agreed with this at the time, that freedom would overtake communism and the people would no longer want to be slaves. I underestimated the willingness of people to be slaves to a government, as I see what's happening right here in America. So this is now becoming a story in mainstream media that even they cannot deny. The idea that it sounded preposterous to them, yet... This coming from a wet market in China made sense to them should make you question anything they tell you from this point forward. CBS's Weijia Jiang reports the Biden administration wants answers. Tonight, the White House is... By the way, they don't want answers. This wanting answers is the new spin. What happened hours before, hours before yesterday, 
is that the Biden, and you could look this up yourself at the Independent, Biden administration shuts down Trump, insisting probe into COVID links to Wuhan lab. So in the morning, they wanted to shut that investigation down. Now what they understood is the evidence is clear. It is present and it is out there. And even they can't deny it anymore. So now all of a sudden, Joe Biden is becoming Columbo and he wants to look into it. The meantime, one thing we know for certain, whether it's President Joe Biden, whether it was Senator Joe Biden, whether it was candidate Joe Biden, he really wasn't big on people looking into things. That's for sure. And nobody really has been at the forefront of the fight in politics anyway, as a politician than Rand Paul. We may never know whether the pandemic arose from the lab in Wuhan But we do know that so far no intermediate animal host has been discovered. Thousands of animals at the wet market have been looked at. None of them have carried COVID-19. Now we are over a year into this. Into the story that we bought that Oak Parkers with their open-toed shoes were were using the information to shut down our lives. And I say Oak Parkers because I mean communists. You get it. This is the Chicagoland area. They bought this bull story and shut it down rather than the story it should have been investigating from day one was this a biological attack on the world by china we've tried to infect covid19 into bats it doesn't grow well in bats it seems most adapted and suitable for humans we may not know whether this ever arose out of a wuhan lab but i think gain of function research where we take a deadly virus, sometimes much more deadly than COVID, and then we increase its transmissibility to mammals is wrong. In 2014... Not only does he think it's wrong, there has been a 30-year moratorium on this. Yet, Dr. Fauci's government has been funding, in some cases, shill organizations that have been funding this very work of genetically modifying disease. It is outrageous. Don't forget, we're the same country that doesn't want certain countries to have nuclear weapons. But this is okay, and we're the ones funding it. And it all traces back to Fauci. It all traces back to his organization. And it all traces back to the government. NIH stopped all of this research. I'm using the same definition to say any gain-of-function research should not be funded in China with U.S. taxpayer dollars. And I recommend a yes vote. Thank you. Mr. President. I ask unanimous consent to vitiate the 60-vote requirement for this amendment and yield back time. Is there objection? Without objection. All time is yielded back. The question is now on the amendment. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Opposed, nay. It seems as if the ayes have it. (laughs) I mean, it really is a joke the way we do this, by the way. This parliamentary nonsense for 300 years, it's just, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Go on the record. Who are you? I want to know how you voted. And this is what your constituents should be forced to know. Why did y'all spike the prior administration's uh, investigation into the origins of the coronavirus and whether it could have uh, come out of the Wuhan lab? Sir, I, I, we did not spike anything in the prior administration. I'm not sure what you mean by spike, but we have no influence. The State Department. He means squash. And the reason they squashed it is because you're not going to convince me that they didn't know that they were linked to the funding of the genetically modified disease that shut down the world for a year. I mean, you could believe that. It's up to you. It's America. At least it used to be. 
However, I'm never going to buy it. I want to thank you for joining me. I've had a great time. We're going to have a better time tomorrow. It's Fantastic Friday. I've got movies. You get your movies. And we'll make fun of these stupid son of a guns that are ruining our lives. Thank you.